And I love what Stranger Things did with the most recent season two in that, like, you remember how long the last episode of Stranger Things is? Like almost. Also, I never like knew Yoho was still two doing and a half shit. hours. It is two hours and twenty minutes long. Yeah, that is a single episode. Right. And then there's some episodes that are only fifty six minutes, and that's, I think that's a movie. You realize? Yes, yeah. I know. But so many. That's sh- a long movie. I know. Yeah. So many shows that come out specifically for streaming platforms still run in a like a forty five minute time slot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? You are no longer bound by traditional TV time slot times. You don't have to write that way anymore. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'm willing to hear you out, but... Because it's the same reason 20-minute episodes still exist. Not everybody has time or the patience or the attention span to watch two and a half hours of Stranger Things. That's fine. So it has to be Stranger Things that does that because Stranger Things is the most popular thing. Sure. Which means these less popular things can, like, dude, by the end of Game of Thrones, nobody wanted to watch the last few episodes because they were too goddamn long because they had <laughs> gotten so bad. Like, it's that's why. It's like if you're watching Days of Our Lives, Days of Our Lives is still going on right now. Oh, I know. I'm not watching three hours of Days of Our Lives. No. I'm not doing it. That's why. It's because you have to, like, if, like, bro, what was the, the, the Korean one? Squid Games. Squid Games. Squid Game. Yeah. Squid Games had longer episodes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not. Not much. like two not, hours. Not yeah. to the level. I think a that couple Stranger of them Things hit like one point but... five or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Okay. I didn't watch it, and I'm not gonna because it's too long. And see, that's fine. And I would I... love Squid Games because I've seen clips of it, and I'm just not gonna fucking watch it because it's too long. And that's a shame because I'm a huge fan of long form content like that. I love One Piece, but it's the one right. thing. That's why, that's why I say because every, you have to pick and choose. Because like, same reason you don't really haven't started, I mean you have, but mm-hmm. like you haven't gotten super into it because you know how long it is. You know, that's a deterrent. That's fair. So you can't have a new show start out with a two and a half hour episode because if I watch the first three minutes of that shit, I'm not. It's if it's not excellent, I'm not watching the other fucking a hundred minutes. I'm it's, not it's doing it. It's only the final episode that's that long. I think the episodes for the but final season of Stranger Things got progressively longer. You, that's why you have to. On. You have to still write for the forty five minutes. And in the beginning, they kind of did exactly to draw you in. Yep, and that's great. But as it went on it i i think it's something that's essential to long form visual media now where because you're no longer confined by tv time slots you can make a segment of the story take as long as it needs to as long as the audience is appropriately invested in it my my only my the reason i say that you still have to write for time slots is because is for the same reason that YouTube goes through cycles. Sometimes you want to watch 45 minutes of a guy talking about fucking Chaco Mountain in Mario Kart 64. Shout out Summoning Salt. Shouts out Summoning Salt. You make you're the best in the game. But other times you just want to watch a kid call somebody a pussy on games. Like it's, yeah. you know what yep. I mean? Like <laughs> And then sometimes you want to see 
uh, a six hour long video from uh, the right opinion about uh, a, a mukbang YouTuber named Nikocado Avocado and how he de- declined into insanity. And just why. Yeah, exactly. This is my point. It's like. So you have to still have those standardized times because people need to know what to expect. It's a signaling to say, like, this is a 45 to 55 minute show, which means it's prestige TV. It's going to be well made. And hopefully the story will get will be interesting enough that you could talk about it. Water cooler chat style. Yeah. Other shows have to be 25 minutes long because you're not really talking about them with anyone. You're watching a show about a demon lord taking over an academy. Who the fuck is going to who knows about? No, it's got 10 views. Who I, else is talking about it? Do you know it? what anime I'm literally watching right now? Is it The Misfit of Demon King Academy? It, that's exactly what I it love is. that anime, actually. It's so good. It's really good, it's, actually. I love that that anime has lines like, it's, did you did you think that you could kill me just by killing me? Yeah, yes. Did you really think that stopping me would stop me? I love it. It's <laughs> like, did you think stopping time would make it so that I couldn't do anything? What? <laughs> Excuse me? Have we been recording all yes. this? Okay. Good. So, <laughs> <laughs> welcome everybody to That was so long for an intro. <laughs> wow. Is, yeah. Uh, welcome everybody to Towns Over Campfire Stories. I am Don. I'm Ruben. Um embarrassed because i didn't know we were recording all of my rant about how tv shows should be longer <laughs> i actually do agree with you though i i think that time constraints should be less they're they're limiting to the writing process exactly exactly it's because production still takes time it's the same reason that we don't have a set time for these episodes mm-hmm. because we talk about we just be talking about shit. We, we talk about writing process. And I love it. TV spot lengths. For also, however long. I was gonna say. Oh, uh, Scarlet Witch, the, the yeah, Disney Wanda Plus Vision. series, WandaVision. Yeah. Um, that show wasn't the first to do variable times on its episodes, but it did it in such a creative way that I thought mm-hmm. very similar thoughts to what you're thinking now. Yes, it's like creatively, this was appropriate. Yes, beautiful. Like, I can understand the last episode of a season being very long. Yes. Fine. Okay. Movies and TV are not different anymore. That's okay. I'm fine right. with that. But, like, especially if my TV is going to get better and better as it has been. Oh, yeah, dude. I got the 4K UHD. You know? And then, I, and I just mean production value-wise for TV. <laughs> but Don like, is losing it. He's losing his fucking mind. <laughs> But like, yeah, I just like the idea that you can use the times of the it's basically the way that I like to talk about Oda being very creative with his medium, as in he knows how to set up a comic to make you fucking feel time and movement in a still image. But, you know, these people, uh, these writers are now getting to where you feel the age of the show in its timing and pacing and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's very good. Don's going to have to sell his soul to get us to the topic today. Speaking of the topic, <laughs> we're going to be talking about blues singer Robert Johnson and the legend of him selling his soul to the devil at the crossroads. I don't recall making that purchase. <laughs> nice. So in the world of legends and mythology, crossroads have a very important position. They may represent a location between the worlds and as such, a site where supernatural spirits can be contacted. It can also represent a place where two realms touch and therefore represents liminality, literally a place neither here nor there. The earliest occurrences of crossroads appear in Greek mythology, 
where they are most often associated with the goddess Hecate, who is the goddess of boundaries, crossroads, witchcraft, the moon, necromancy, and ghosts. You got to deal with Hecate a lot of times when you're trying to get into the underworld because she, you know, doorways and such. Yeah. And the god Hermes, who is the god of boundaries, roads, travelers, thieves, athletes, shepherds, commerce, speed, cunning, wit, and sleep. My dude took so many things. He's got his hands (laughs) So many things. I think it sounds like he was like the last one and they still had shit left over. And they're like, oh, you get athletes, thieves, women, and travel, and sleep, and um, Uh, uh, what's uh, left? What's left? uh, The hearth. (laughs) Shepherds. Commerce. All right. Um, Even though Hecate is not as widely known as Hermes, uh, whose pillars would often adorn crossroads, she is nevertheless more cemented in the ritual aspect of the crossroads. Now, in Greco-Roman society, rituals of protection were done at crossroads and purification ritual remains were left at the crossroads. The Greeks and the Romans believed that doors, gates, rivers, frontiers, and crossroads held a spiritual meaning regarding transitioning, leaving one area and going somewhere else, a change in directions physically and spiritually, and therefore rituals of protection and rituals regarding change or transition were done at crossroads. I do love how like much sense it makes in a really simple way to think back. Like early humans who were very superstitious saw, oh, these roads cross over each other, symbolizing crossing over. Yes. Dude, we do that now. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen a post about how football stadiums look like eyeballs? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the same shit. Yeah. We we can't help it. Is we are that is one of the things that is I have a theory just by the way. I have a theory that there are a finite number of things that can be considered human traits. That sure. number of things is large enough so that there are effectively infinite combinations of neural pathways that your brain can shape it, it you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you all come with the same hardware but the setup is different. The wiring Right, the wiring is different. So, like, basically, there's a finite number of traits you can have that would make you be human, and that's one of them. That's one of the quintessentially human things, where even even blind people make shit that looks like eyes, because it's it's in your body that it's an eyeball is there. You know what I mean? Like, your, your body, your DNA is telling you what an eyeball shape is. Even if you don't see shapes, yeah. it's fucking wild. It's the RNG in the code. Yes. Is what it is. So you are unique, but you are still human, and you share traits. You share every single one of your traits with another human on this planet, at least one. Like it's, But each one of you is still unique because of the combinations of traits. Okay. Like, I'm not Asian. <laughs> but me and an Asian person You're both. Not? I mean, yes. You lied on your resume? No. I mean, I could technically be, I guess. I am mixed, but I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have any DNA from Asia. So, like, I'm not Asian, Holy but shit. me and an Asian kid could like the same type of noodles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that no, make I, sense I, to I me? I do. I'm just surprised that you're not Asian. Well, that sounds like you need to talk to somebody about that. 
Maybe contact BetterHelp. So by the time <laughs> non-spawn. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time we get to the Great Britain and Ireland era, there exists. Josh truly doesn't see color or eye shape <laughs> or anything really. Bone structure, <laughs> nothing. There existed a. Uh, I lost a tradition of burying criminals and suicides at the crossroads. Now, this may have been due to the crossroads. Did you say criminal suicide? Criminals and suicides. Oh, okay. Um, this may have been due to the crossroads marking the boundaries of the settlement coupled with a desire to bury those outside of the law, outside of the settlement. If someone makes you kill yourself, is that technically murder? Yes. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Clear cut. Wow. Yeah. There was a woman recently that was convicted. She was getting on the phone telling her boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You should yeah, kill yourself. Yeah. The chick with the eyebrows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That girl with the. She helped. I oh, there was another one. The girl that was encouraging her boyfriend to commit suicide. Yeah, no, we're we're talking about the same girl. Yeah, Yeah. she has really big bushy eyebrows. Maybe is it is it the one where she's blonde? She's and it was like an engine. Like he. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Asphyxiation with the CO two poisoning. Um, and then she that like, was fucked up. Yeah, like went off and started saying, making people feel bad for her because her boyfriend committed suicide. It was all so she could get attention, basically. Yeah, it fucking was, it wild. Was essentially, Munchausen by proxy. Yeah, which is the same thing that happened with the Gypsy Rose Lee case. Munchausen by proxy sounds like a something familiar to me. It's Scott Munchausen, Pilgrim. Um, no, I don't think so. I've seen that movie a literally a dis- hundred times. It's a mental disorder where you... Well, I know yeah. it is a mental disorder, but it sounds like a punk band. That's from Yes Man. Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Munchausen by proxy. Yeah, the band, the girlfriend that he falls in love with. Yes, it is. Wow. I can't believe Good my brain catch. did that. <laughs> Good catch. No, <laughs> M- Munchausen syndrome is when you fake illnesses to receive attention yeah. and then munchausen by proxy is when you fake somebody else's illnesses to get attention sounds like something eminem is wrapped about yeah oh um oh shit mm-hmm. now i'm gonna have headlights by eminem stuck in my mm-hmm. head all day uh, another belief was that the many different roads would actually confuse the are dead. we ever gonna get to the main trying I'm not going to let it happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's going to be our first six-hour episode. I did take my meds today. <laughs> now, crossroads were also commonly used as a place of criminal punishment and execution, which may also have been a reason for it being the site of suicidal burial, as suicide was considered a crime. Up until... Oh mm, I think in some places it still is. That's why I said... Mm. Uh, <laughs> see, and this is this is how... Like, this is where the, the symbolism of the crossroads makes less sense to me. So they crossing go... crossing from life into death. They go back to, like, a, a very practical... Like, we bury them outside of the, the town because yeah. that's all the way where the outskirts are. That's literally the edge of the town. That's as far out as we can bury them. Yeah. But it seems like you could go the other way with the symbolism and say that burying them at the crossroads helps them to cross, cross over. over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, uh, now this ritual of crossroad burial, I missed an entire part. No, I didn't. This ritual of crossroad burials uh, dates back to Anglo-Saxon times. One drink per hour, Don. That's how fast you can metabolize that. (laughs) And continued until being abolished in 1823. Now, while there became a place for burial for suicides and others unable to be given proper burial in the Middle Ages, the crossroads were once a burial place second only to the consecrated church uh, for Christians. 
Now, in Western folk mythology, a crossroads can be used to summon a demon or devil. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. That didn't quite register. Did you just say that being buried at a crossroads was about as coveted as like like no. second place to church was, graveyards? No, as far as how many people were buried. Oh, I yeah, see. It I was see, second see, only see, to consecrated ground. So like it was like if you couldn't get to the church, you'd go to the crossroads. Right. Next. Yeah, I got you. So it became uh, crossroads can be used to summon a demon or devil in order to make a deal. Now, this legend can be seen in many stories. For example, the 1587 Historia von die Johann Faustin describes the character Faust inscribing magic circles at a crossroads in order to summon the devil. In the 18- that was what what year? Uh, 1587. Okay, so that's our first mention of the devil right. and crossroads in the 1500s. This is SCPP again. <laughs> it can be. In the 1885 historical essay Transylvanian Superstitions, Emily Gerard describes how crossroads were often avoided as a matter of course and describes a Romanian belief that a demon could be summoned at a crossroads by drawing a magic circle, offering copper coin as payment, and reciting an incantation. I have I have a weird criticism. If you think crossroads are bad, destroy the cro- fucking make a different road. <laughs> well, roads yeah. have to cross yeah, each other cross eventually. That's what I'm saying. Just though. by nature of how roads work. Right. That this is my point though. Is is like man it can't be evil then. You know what I'm saying? If you, if it's just a path crossing another path, it cannot right. be evil. Right. Yeah. Well, it's this just, is Transylvania. They are superstitious about every fucking thing. That's true. Transylvania. <laughs> I don't know if you've changed in the past a, th- a thousand years or so, but like, <laughs> I'm sure. I don't extent, know, man. You know? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, because America's still doing the same shit that England did back <laughs> when we were still England. I saw somebody in a, a, a Far Cry group asked uh, how accurate Far Cry 5 was in depicting America. <laughs> and everyone was giving all these like honest answers mm-hmm. uh, from like experience living in Montana where that game takes place. And I was like, it wasn't very accurate at all because there weren't nearly enough crazy religious cultists in Far Cry 5. <laughs> And then some guy was like, I guess this guy's never lived in America in his life. And I was like, found one. <laughs> there it is. So that brings us to the meat of our never story. Never lived today. in America his whole life. What? <laughs> How? How? What do you mean? I don't know, dude. He could have just clicked my profile. I'm as American looking as it gets. Not only that, but like, how, how are you just going to judge... Where the fuck I was born? My Off name is internet Josh comment. White, you dumb bitch. <laughs> like, fucking really? You like... <laughs> Uh, the most prominent form of crossroads magic can be traced back to the African African American slaves, literally whiter than England white names. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I did also one time when I was at an orientation for interview. Uh, I was sitting right next to another dude named Josh White, and he was one of the darkest men I have ever met in my entire life. There's only two types of people who have the last name White. Really white people. I shine in the sun. And uh, people whose ancestors were slaves. Yep. Yep. Speaking of. uh, Oh, shit. In America. It can be traced back to African-American slaves and the rituals of hoodoo. 
Damn, we accidentally set Dawn up for a segue. Now, it's, it's very important to differentiate hoodoo from the similar voodoo. Oh, yeah. No, this I'm interested in. You mentioned this. Voodoo, which comes from the country of Haiti, is actually an, a religion, just like Christianity, Islam, or Hindu. Mm-hmm. Whereas hoodoo is more folk magic and stems from the continent of Africa and is more in line with holistic healing and herbal remedies. Hoodoo is like a garden witch. Voodoo yeah. is like a garden priest. Yeah. Heard. So, um, it's more of like a spirit shaman priest kind of. It's like it's really interesting. Like the way Jim Morrison called himself a shaman. Yeah, is the the like folk one you said? Who who was the folk one? Who do is yeah. folk? Who do is like the African equivalent of like uh, grandma remedies, right? Yeah, a- uh, Appalachian folk remedies. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Granny Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies. Yes. She could have been a hoodoo person. Damn. Yeah. That's a that's a deep pull that like almost nobody else my age would get if I weren't raised by the parents it's the that I Beverly was. fucking Hillbillies. Everybody knows the Beverly Hillbillies, dude. I've I've made so many Beverly Hillbillies references in my childhood that nobody else got because nobody but else older had parents. Now. That, well, that's true. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about a man named Jed. Yep. <laughs> poor mountaineer bear kept this family fed <laughs> then one day he was shooting at some food and up through the ground came a bubbling crude oil that is black gold texas tea i even went and actually saw the beverly hillbillies movie in the theaters that's oh, actually yeah. crazy yeah i didn't even know they had a movie oh yeah it had jim barney as jed clampett ernest p worrell he played Jed Clam in the movie. Not as Ernest, but you know who Ernest is, don't you? Ernest saves Christmas. Ernest goes to. Nope, My dad was just... black. Your mom was white. My mom was country. It's Ernest. Hey, Vern. Know what I mean? My mom was country and married a black man on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know that that's a. Direct quote. She has said that to me more than once. Uh, okay. Makes me think of the Andy Samberg roast. Shouts out to mom. <laughs> where, where he was like, hey, what's it like to have a unique perspective on being American, you sack of shit? <laughs> <laughs> My mom literally changed her accent so that I wouldn't have a country accent. Oh, bless her. I know. This the, maybe the best sacrifice anyone has ever made for another human. is like... So... Because I could have had... um. Listen, my life has not been easy. It could have been so much worse. <laughs> Y'all could have been listening to this. This shit would have been bad. Uh, hoodoo lacks the religious system of <laughs> voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You've got to release just that outtake for the patrons. <laughs> Hoodoo lacks a religious system of voodoo, and while voodoo is not affiliated with any other religion, hoodoo is actually practiced by Roman Catholics. In short, hoodoo can be considered to be a watered-down denomination of voodoo, which incorporates other religious and non-religious values. That is very interesting. I do love learning about religion and its associated practices. However, Josh, you just fucking blew my mind because we should be releasing fucking bloopers for patrons. <laughs> no, that's something else for me to fucking edit. No, well, kind of. 
I when mean, I, absolutely. Listen, we'll figure it out when we when we get a, we, when we can pay an editor. God, <laughs> just wait until we can pay an editor. God, when we listen. Mm-hmm. First of all, y'all want to edit for free? Help us. <laughs> hey, do you? Because that's cool. If you would like to um, help us pay our bills, though, go to uh, mid episode spawn <laughs> patreon.com slash two towns over um you can get bonus episodes or a uh, week episode uh, early fucking god damn it maybe, <laughs> maybe bloopers someday maybe bloopers someday sometimes rants when i can get the time to do those everyone in this room has had something to drink or something it's that was rough <laughs> I, could, I couldn't make it happen all right. Get episodes so, a week early. God damn. How hard was that? So the crossroads in hoodoo originates from the Congo cosmogram. Professional. Yes. In Central Africa. Now, if you want to. Congo it, cosmogram sounds dope as fuck as yeah, well. It does. If That's you want to picture what it is, it's basically a crude uh, drawing of a uh, target reticle. Oh. Basically a, a cross in a circle. Oh. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Nothing special. Uh, it represents the rising and setting of the sun and the human life cycle of death and rebirth. The center of the crossroads is where the communications with the spirits take place. During the transatlantic slave trade, the Congo Cosmogram was brought to the United States by African slaves. Archaeologists unearthed representations of the Congo Cosmogram on slave plantations in South Carolina on clay pots made by enslaved Africans. The Congo Cosmogram is also called the Congo Cosmogram and the Yawa Cross. Makes me think of Bokoblins. I don't know what that is. Neither From Zelda. I. The Yawa. Oh, Bokoblins yeah. is what I call them. Because nobody, I don't I don't think I've ever heard another human say the word. I, you know, I don't think I have either, but I started saying it out loud when I was playing through it with Kat, and she corrected me from Bokoblins to Bokoblins. It's Bokoblins or Bokoblins. Yeah. It's like a long O, basically. So the Yawa Cross... That just took me a second. The Yawa Cross is a fork in the road, can just represent as a fork in the road or even a forked branch, and it can, lo- can allude to this crucially important symbol of passage and communication between worlds. I, I feel like I'm having two separate podcasts right now, because I'm not sure. <laughs> That's how it always is. I'm not sure why they're called Bokoblins, because <laughs> I don't know what words. I know it's goblins, but they look they're like a chickens? pig. Are they pigs? No, that wouldn't. No. They're pig goblins. Pig, pig goblins. Is, is Bach B-A-C? B-O-C. B-O, well, I was going to say maybe. B-O-K. B-O-K. Uh, I was B- thinking maybe like, like B-A-C, a kobold. like ba- bacon. But. Oh, that's why. Bo cold. Kobold. Mm. Cold, it's, okay, I got it now. There we go. It's fine. We got there. Yeah. So <laughs> it, uh, uh, it can allude to the crucially important symbol of a passage and communication between worlds. The turn in the path, i.e. the crossroads remain an indelible concept in the Congo Atlantic world. As the point of intersection between the ancest- <clears throat> the ancestors and the living. It is at the crossroads where many Africans believe one will witness the powers of God and emerge from the waters spiritually renewed. Now, other African origins of the crossroads in Hoodoo are found in West Africa among the Yoruba people. For example, the Yoruba trickster deity called Eshualegba resides at the crossroads, and the Yoruba people leave offerings for Eshualegba at the crossroads. In Hoodoo, there is a spirit that resides at the crossroads to give offerings to. 
However, the word Eshualegba does not exist in Hoodoo because the names of African deities were lost during slavery. Now, folklorist Nubel Niles Puckett recorded a number of crossword rituals in Hoodoo practiced among African Americans in the South and explained its meanings. Puckett wrote, Possibly this custom of sacrificing at the crossroads is due to the idea that spirits, like men, travel the highways and would more likely would be more likely to hit up that's not it, would be more likely to hit upon the offerings at the crossroads than would elsewhere. Would be more likely to hit up Satan at the crossroads <laughs> than, than to pray at the church. Yo, what's up, Satan? How you doing, G? African crossroads spirits were brought to the United States during the transatlantic slave trade. Now, in the Haitian voodoo... Just real quick, fuck white people. <laughs> Fair. In the Haitian voodoo religion and voodoo belief system, Papa Legba is one of the Loa. Associated with the crossroads, he serves as an intermediary between man and the spirit world. I know that one because of Neil Gaiman, an Englishman who is white. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Neil Gaiman, but right now, fuck you. <laughs> now, because of his gift of elocution, he is being... Uh, Good word. Yeah, I don't have it, apparently. He is a, a being with strong influence over communication and speech. Believed to originate in the kingdom of Dahomey, now Benin, Papa Legba is one of the best-known figures in African spirituality. Dude, African spiritual names are like like names of like deities and demigods and stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Very good. Baron Baron Samti is another one. Yeah. Just real yeah. good. Like just they taste uh, pardon, but uh chocolatey. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good. Like crunchy and good. Sweet. I don't know. <laughs> the practices of Vodun come from an indigenous belief system found in West Africa. Vodou? Vodun. Vodun. V-O-D-U-N. Vodun. Oh. Uh, the practices of Vodun come from an indigenous belief. I've read that already. When the people of Africa were captured, enslaved, and brought to North America, they brought with them many of their gods and spirits, including Legba. But because slave owners were worried about potential rebellion, they often separated enslaved people from the same area. By mixing people from different religions and language groups, they could use the communication barrier to discourage or even prevent revolt. Ironically, that probably made um, black DNA like more resilient mm -hmm. than white DNA because of how mixed up it gets. Yep. Yeah. However, many of the deities were similar, and so enslaved people from different, why black parts, don't crack. <laughs> different parts of Africa soon found commonalities in their spiritual belief and practices, which they were forced to keep hidden. Papa Legba soon found a home in the religious structures of enslaved people in Haiti and the Caribbean, as well as in the American colonies. Author Denise Alvarado says that Legba stands as a, at, at a spiritual crossroads and grants or denies permission to speak with the spirits of Guinea and is believed to speak all human languages. He is always the first and the last spirit invoked in any ceremony because his permission is needed for any communication between mortals and the Loa. He opens and closes the doorway to the spirit world. Now, Papa Legba is referred to by several names, though he is not the same spirit as many of the other names commonly used interchangeably to identify him. In Suriname in Brazil, the crossroad spirit is known as Exu. In Trinidad and Cuba, he is known as Elegua. And in Haiti and New Orleans, he is known as Papa Legba. Papa Legba is a master linguist. 
the trickster, warrior, and the personal messenger of destiny. He has the power to remove obstacles, and he provides opportunities. All ceremonies... I read that. Begin. Same thing. His gift for linguistics enables him to translate the requests of humans into the language of the spirits and the loas. But what about the legend where a person can sell their soul to the devil in exchange for fame and fortune? The infamous Crossroads legend is one that ignites such curiosity. The legend of the Crossroads is referenced in many popular songs of the Delta Blues tradition, circa 1900 to 1941, which brings us to the main story. So Robert Johnson was born in Hazelhurst, Mississippi, possibly on May 8th, 1911, to Julia Major Dodds and Noah Johnson. Julia was married to Charles Dodds, uh, a relatively prosperous landowner and furniture maker with whom she had 10 children. Charles Dodds had been forced by a lynch mob to leave Hazelhurst following a dispute with white landowners. Julia left Hazelhurst with baby Robert. Man, fuck white people. Goddamn. <laughs> but in less than two years, she brought the boy to Memphis to live with her husband, who had changed his name to Charles Spencer. I was walking to Memphis. <laughs> Robert spent the next eight to nine years growing up in Memphis and attending the Carnes Avenue Colored School, where he received lessons in arithmetic, reading, language, music, geography, and physical exercise. It was in Memphis where he required his love for and knowledge of the blues and popular music. His education and urban context placed him apart from most of his contemporary blues musicians. Robert joined his mother around 1919 or 1920 after she married an illiterate sharecropper named Will Dusty Willis. The original settled Dusty Willis is Dusty a good Willis. Name. They settled they originally settled on it a is. plantation in Lucas Township in Crittenden County, Arkansas, also the home of the West Memphis 3 but we won't go there, but soon today. moved across. Yeah, today, uh, but soon moved across the Mississippi river to commerce in the Mississippi Delta near Tunica and Robbinsville or Robinsonville. They lived on the Abay and Leatherman plantation. Julia's new husband was 24 years. Her junior. Yeah. That's a lot of years. At so, how old? Uh, she was born in, Hold on. Uh, she was born in October of 1874. This is. Uh, <laughs> I asked too many questions. Yep. Yeah. And you have frozen the fucking. There we go. So 1919 to 1920. So 74 to 1920. Looking at 45. He was 24 years younger than Whoa. her. So, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so. um. Yeah, 24 years. Robert was remembered by some residents as Little Robert Dusty, but he was registered at Tanika's Indian Creek School as Robert Spencer. In the 1920 census, he is listed as Robert Spencer living in Lucas, Arkansas, with Will and Julia Willis. Sharknado 3, Will, Will Wiley. <laughs> Sharknado 3's Will Wiley. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Who is very upset about the recent allegations against uh, Shakira, by the way. What, what allegations, allegations against Shakira? Y'all, Shakira did a tax fraud. <gasps> Shakira did a tax fraud? In, like, Italy. Oh, no. In Italy? Yeah. Oh, she no. Might, she might be jailed for seven years in Italy for tax fraud. That's fucking hilarious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm going to make, like, Shamira, Shakira and commit tax fraud. What is a Shamira? I don't know. What's going on? Sh Shamira? Sh Shamiraquai? Shamiraquai? <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. That'd be a fucking fucking <laughs> wild mashup, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, Robert was to school in 1924 and 1927. That's a completely... The quality of his signature on his marriage certificate suggests that he was relatively well-educated for a boy of his background. A school friend, Willie Coffey, who was interviewed and filmed in later life, recalled... My name's Willie Coffey, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a detective. Yeah. That's a detective sidekick. Uh, recall that as a youth, Robert was already noted for playing the harmonica and the jaw harp. Literally the guy at the fucking uh, coffee place. Yeah. He's Willie Coffee. He, yeah. He's like his informant. Yes. <laughs> he always meets him at various coffee shops. Yeah. So Coffee. What's his last name? I don't fucking know. I call him Willie Coffee. Willie Coffee. <laughs> Coffee recalled that Robert was absent for long periods of time would suggest that he may have been living and studying in Memphis. He was studying in Memphis. <laughs> Once Julia informed Robert about his biological father, Robert adopted the surname Johnson, using it on the certificate of his marriage for, to 16-year-old Virginia Travis in February of 1929. Whoa. He was 18. It's not okay. much of a difference. He was what doing now? He was 18. No, no, no. He married, I, a he married a 16-year-old. And just when we're talking about things that happened this long ago, and I hear married a 16-year-old, I just assume the dude was 40. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's why I missed I missed the, the previous sentence, so uh, I was confused. Yeah. Um, yeah, Robert adopted the surname Johnson, using it on the certificate of his marriage to 16-year-old Virginia Travis in February of 1929. She died in... That's Ch more recent than I want it to be. She died in childbirth shortly after. That's fucked. Surviving relatives of Virginia told the blues researcher Robert McCormick that this was a divine punishment for Robert's decision to sing secular songs. Known as... Wow. Yeah. Shit, man. Known as selling your soul to the devil. McCormick believed that Johnson himself accepted the phrase as a description of his resolve to abandon the settled life of a husband and farmer to become a full-time blues musician. Fuck yeah. I love him. That's awesome. Around this time, the blues musician Sun House moved to Robinsonville, where his musical partner Willie Brown lived. A different Willie. Yeah. Later in life, House remembered Johnson <clears throat> as a little boy who was a competent harmonica player, but an embarrassingly bad guitarist. Soon after, Johnson left Robinsonville uh, for the area around Martinsville, close to his birthplace, possibly searching for his natural father. Here, he perfected the guitar style of House and learned other styles from Isaiah Zimmerman. Zimmerman was rumored to have learned supernaturally to play the guitar by visiting graveyards at night. When Johnson next appeared in Robinsonville, he seemed to have miraculously acquired a guitar technique. House was No, he practiced his ass I was going to say, he... It, it was you didn't know him for years. As a and way then he to, came back and he knew guitar. That's not a mystery. As a way to cope with grief. He was real sad, so he went to the fucking graveyard and he learned how to play guitar for his wife. So, uh, House, stupid bitches. House was interviewed at a time when the legend of Johnson's pact with the devil was well known among blues researchers. He was asked whether he attributed Johnson's technique to this pact, and his his equivocal answer has been taken as confirmation. So, House believed that he did sell his soul. From 1930 I love that this comes from a euphemism for singing secular music. Yeah. Yeah. So from 1932 yep. until his death in 1930. This is the plot of fucking uh, Fighting Temptations. <laughs> uh, 
Johnson movie. Is that a deep pull at this point? Yes. Yeah. Has anybody ever seen that movie? No. Nope. Y'all don't know what that is? You continue to have tastes. That, that is a Cuba Gooden Jr. movie. I can't believe you don't know it. I've heard of it. I've just never seen it. It's no, real I've, good. It rings a bell. It's, I couldn't tell you. It's it. about a choir. Fuck all Beyonce's about it. Beyonce's in it. Oh. It's good. Nice. Uh, from 1932 until his death in 1938, Johnson moved frequently. Mary Mary is also in it. That's a Christian band. It is a Christian movie. Ah, uh, that's why it's I haven't seen it. barely Christian, though. <laughs> Fair. Johnson moved frequently between the cities of Memphis and Helena and the smaller towns of the Mississippi Delta and neighboring regions of, the Mississippi, of Mississippi and Arkansas. On occasion, he would travel much further, though. The blues musician Johnny Shines accompanied him to Chicago, Texas, New York, Canada, Kentucky, and Indiana. Henry Townsend shared a musical engagement with him in St. Louis. In many places, he stayed with members of his large extended family or with female friends. He did not marry again, but formed some long-term relationships with women to whom he would return periodically. In other places, he stayed with whatever woman he was able to seduce at his performance. In each location, Johnson's hosts were largely ignorant of his life elsewhere. He was really living like an early That's version a real of the rock, rock star, star yeah. life. Yeah. yeah, He used different names in different places, enjoying employing at least eight distinct surnames. Now, for a mass of from a mass of partial dead wishes, you know. <laughs> yeah. From a mass of partial mayhem could never. <laughs> from a mass of partial conflicting and inconsistent eyewitness accounts, biographers have attempted to summarize Johnson's character. What they came up with was that he was well-mannered, he was soft-spoken, and he was indecipherable. As for tall, his- dark, mysterious. Yeah. As for his character, everyone seems to agree that while he was pleasant and outgoing in public, In private, he was reserved and liked to go his own way. Musicians who knew Johnson testified that he was a nice guy and fairly average, except, of course, for his musical talent, his weakness for whiskey and women, and his commitment to the road. It's in the documentary that I have seen about him. He is he has a real weakness for whiskey. Yeah. And that comes back to bite him in the ass. Yes, it does. In Jackson, Mississippi, around 1936. It usually will. Oh, yeah. Not in quite the same way that it comes back to bite him. Well, I'm foreshadowing. Yeah. Listener, beware. Johnson sought out H.C. Spire, who ran a general store and also acted as a talent scout. <laughs> Spire put Johnson in touch with Ernie Ortel, or Ortel, who, as a salesman for the ARC group of labels, introduced Johnson to Don Law who recorded his first sessions in San Antonio, Texas. The recording session was held on November 23rd through November 25th, 1936, in room 414 of the Gunter Hotel in San Antonio. In the ensuing three-day session, Johnson played 16 selections and recorded alternate takes for most of them. Among the songs Johnson recorded in San Antonio were I Believe I'll Dust My Broom, Sweet Home Chicago, and Crossroad Blues. Which later became a, which all later became blues standards. The first to be released was Terrapin Blues, backed by the Last Fair Deal Gone Down, which sold as many as ten thousand copies. That's a lot of copies for that time. Yeah, yeah. Johnson traveled when not everybody had access to the technology yeah. to play mm-hmm. yeah. music like that. Yeah, that was a astronomical number of copies. So Johnson traveled to Dallas, Texas for another recording session with Don Law in a makeshift studio at the Vitagraph building, which is now Warner Brothers, on June 19th, 
and the 20th, 1937. Johnson recorded almost half of the 29 songs that make up his entire discography in Dallas, and 11 records from this session were released within the following year. Wow. I thought it was 19 songs. It's 29? Well, no, the first time he recorded was 19. Okay. The second time he recorded half of what ended up being his entire discography, which was 29 songs. Okay, gotcha. Which is hilarious because there's a box set, Robert Johnson box set that you can buy. That's actually two CDs, but it's only 29 songs, and it's each song's at most three minutes long. Yeah. So, I mean, you could put the entire thing on one CD, but no, we had to milk it for a box set. Oh, for sure. Yeah, well, just for display purposes, yeah. you know. So... It's more of a collector's item. Yeah. Most of Johnson's somber and introspective songs and performances came from his second recording session. Johnson did two takes of most of these songs, and recordings of those takes survived. Now, because of this, there is more opportunity to compare different performances of a single song by Johnson than for any other blues performer of his era. In contrast to most Delta players, Johnson had absorbed the idea of fitting a composed song onto three minutes onto into the three minutes of a 78 RPM side. So Johnson died on August 16th, 1938, at the age of 27 near Greenwood, Mississippi, of unknown causes. Johnson's death was not reported publicly. Hold on, we'll get there. Was not reported publicly for all was, yeah, was not reported publicly. Almost 30 years later, Gail Dean Wardlow, a Mississippi-based musicologist researching Johnson's life, found Johnson's uh, death certificate, which listed only the date and location with no official cause of death. No formal autopsy had been done. Instead, a pro forma examination was done to file the death certificate, and no immediate cause of death was determined. Now, it is likely that he had congenital syphilis. And it was suspected later. What? A weakness for whiskey and women will get you syphilis? I can't believe it. In the 20s? I No way. No way. <laughs> did, they, did they already know that you could fix that really easily with penicillin? Or when did penicillin get invented? My phone's almost dead. Tell me, Ruben. <laughs> when did pil- penicillin... 1928 at St. Mary's Hospital in London. So, 10 years before he died. It may not have been known that it could cure okay. syphilis. When did penicillin... Fuck, God, I can't say the word. When did penicillin America... Uh, the first American patient was treated with penicillin on March 14th, 1942. There you go. Wow. It was a woman named Ann Miller. There you go. So it was expected later by medical professionals that this may have been a contributing factor into his death. However, 30 years of local and oral tradition had, like the rest of his life story, built a legend which has filled in gaps in the scant historical record. Several differing accounts have described the events preceding his death. Johnson had been playing for a few weeks at a country dance in town, uh, in a town about 15 miles from Greenwood. According to one theory, Johnson was murdered by the jealous husband of a woman with whom he had flirted. In an account by the blues musician Sonny Boy Williamson, <clears throat> Johnson had been flirting with a married woman at a dance, and she gave him a bottle of whiskey poisoned by her husband. When Johnson took the bottle, Williamson knocked it out of his hand, admonishing him to never drink from a bottle that he had not personally seen opened. 
Yes, the seal on the bottle was broken when he got it. Yes. And it was a thing that people knew back then was you didn't drink whiskey where the seal was already broken. Yep. So why whiskey specifically? Well, any it any yeah. any booze primarily, but uh any drink. Is it really? because of prohibition? Maybe. I don't know. Wait, shit, this is prohibition. No, this is after. Prohibition was the early 20s. When was Prohibition over? thought it didn't end until the early 30s. 1933. Oh, you're yeah, right. Prohibition so yeah, Prohibition was, was a long time. Yeah, okay then. So, Johnson replied to Williamson, don't ever knock a bottle out of my hand. Soon after, he was offered another bottle and accepted it. Johnson is reported to have begun feeling ill the evening after and had to be helped back to his room in the early morning hours. Over the next three days, his condition steadily worsened. Witnesses reported that he died in a convulsive state of severe pain. Uh, that's poison. Yeah. Look, motherfucker, don't drink a bottle <laughs> that you didn't see opened. He was ornery when he was drunk. Yeah. What a bitch. Yeah. He was He was one of those drunks. So he the, was a bad drunk that drank a lot. Yeah. What a bitch. So the musicologist Robert McCormick claimed to have tracked down the man who murdered Johnson and to have obtained a confession from him in a personal interview, but he declined to reveal the man's name. Now, while strychnine has been suggested as a poison that killed Johnson, at least one scholar has disputed. Strychnine is a snitch. <laughs> uh, one scholar has disputed the notion. Tom Graves, in his book Crossroads, The Life and Afterlife of Blues Legend Robert Johnson, relies on expert testimony from toxicologists to argue that strychnine has such a distinctive odor and taste that it cannot be disguised, even in strong liquor. Graves also claims that a significant amount of strychnine would have to be consumed in one sitting to be fatal and that death from poison would occur within day hours, not days. In their 2019 book Up Jump the Devil, Bruce Conforth and Gail Dean Wardlow suggested suggest that the poison was naphthalene from dissolved mothballs. Now this was a oh, common way of shit. Yeah, this was a common way of poisoning people in the rural south, but was rarely fatal. However, Johnson had been diagnosed with an ulcer and esophageal varices, which is like sores in the throat. I was going to say, well, because of the way you sang back yeah. then, they're basically what what are they called? Uh, vocal no no yeah. nodules? Nodules, nodules? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, combined with the pre-existing condition, mm -hmm. the fact that he quite probably had syphilis, because yeah. the shit was fucking rampant back then, mm -hmm. and still is in rural towns, um, but that, along with extremely heavy drinking, like only people in the 1920s could somehow do. Yeah. And then the mothballs on top of that, even if it's rarely fatal, I think all of that combined is enough to make it guaranteed yeah. fatal. Well, um, the poison was sufficient to cause the varices and the ulcers to hemorrhage. He died after two days of severe abdominal pain, vomiting and bleeding from the mouth. So, yeah, it was internal bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. But it was never... Um, codified. It was never. Codified. They didn't do an actual right. autopsy, yeah. so, so they didn't no put official. A, it's like he's dead. We didn't cut him open to find out yeah. why. But I mean, even 
even a modern day layman like me can say that if there's blood coming out of his mouth and shit and he had but stomach you ulcers. you can't say it for 100% no, certain. Right. No, which but is why I can it make, can't go on the death certificate. Right. Sure. No, and that's completely valid. But I'm still saying with the modern knowledge that we have today, you can make a pretty, I don't even want to call it an educated guess because I'm not educated, but it's the most likely thing his ulcers definitely seem to have hemorrhaged right like that's that's the most likely explanation that we can make with common modern knowledge so in 2006 a medical practitioner david connell suggested on the basis of photographs showing johnson's unnaturally long fingers and one bad eye that johnson may have had marfan syndrome which could have both affected his guitar playing and contributed to his death due to aortic dissection. Marfan syndrome is basically a, a breakdown of connective tissue. Ah. Oh. So, um, according to legend, as a young man living on a plantation in rural Mississippi, Johnson had a tremendous desire to become a great blues musician. Now, one of the legends often said, told says that Johnson was instructed to take his guitar to a crossroad near Dockery Plantation at midnight. Now, there are claims for at least a dozen other sites as the location of the crossroads. Uh, but there he was met by a large black man, the devil, who took the Mothman. guitar. Yeah. Yeah, it was Mothman. <laughs> who took the guitar and tuned it. The devil played a few songs and then returned the guitar to Johnson, giving him mastery of the instrument. Now, this story of a deal with the devil at the crossroads mirrors the legend of Faust. In exchange for his soul, Johnson was able to create the blues for which he became famous. Look at how we just copy things and apply them to other things that we don't quite understand, even though the explanations uh, aren't all that of Christianity. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? So his legend was developed over time and has been chronicled. Almost everything is that, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which is wild. Twice. You're not different than anybody else, really. Yeah, you are, but you're not. So his legend was developed over time and has been chronicled by Gail Dean Wardlow, Edward Komara, and Elijah Wald. Wardlow is a not a good name. <laughs> no. Who sees the legend as largely dating from Johnson's rediscovery by white fans more than two decades after his death. Sun House, the Fine blues musician, will take everything. once told the story to Pete Welding as an explanation of Johnson's astonishingly rapid mastery of the guitar. Welding reported as a serious belief in a widely read article in Downbeat magazine in 1966. Other interviewers failed to elicit any confirmation from House, and there were fully two years between House's observation of Johnson at fir as first a novice and then a master. So further details were absorbed from the imaginative retellings of Greel Marcus and Robert Palmer. Most significantly, the detail was added that Johnson received his gift from a large black man at the crossroads. There is dispute as to... Did the man have wings and a tight, tight ass? <laughs> there is dispute as to how and when the crossroads detail was attached to the Robert Johnson story. All the published evidence, including a full chapter on the subject in the biography Crossroads by Tom Graves, suggests an origin in the story of the blues musician Tommy Johnson. Now, this story was collected from his musical associate Ishman Bracey and his elder brother Liddell in 1960s. One version of Liddell Johnson's account was published in David Evans' 1971 biography of Tommy Johnson and was reprint, re repeated in print in 1982 alongside Howes' story in the widely read Searching for Robert Johnson by Peter Guralnik. In another version, 
Liddell placed the meeting not at a crossroads, but in a graveyard. Now, this resembles the story told to Steve LeVere that Ike Zimmerman of Hazelhurst, Mississippi, learned to play the guitar at midnight while sitting on tombstones. Zimmerman is believed to have influenced the playing of young John- Robert Johnson. Recent research, <laughs> recent research by the blues scholar Bruce Conforth in Living Blues magazine makes the story clearer. Robert Johnson and Ike Zimmerman did practice in a graveyard at night, but it was because it was quiet and no one would disturb them. But it was not the Hazelhurst Cemetery as had been believed. Probably get good acoustics off the trees and tombstones, I was going to say, like, where else are you going to go to get away from your neighbors? And the the way people were superstitious. That's also safe for a black person at night in the 1920s. <laughs> yeah. The way people were and still are superstitious about the dead, too. They could also see it as a kindness to play for the dead. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, Zimmerman was not from Hazelhurst, but nearby Beauregard, and he did not practice in one graveyard, but in several in the area. And he, uh, about a year, Johnson spent about a year living and learning from Zimmerman, living with and learning from Zimmerman, who ultimately accompanied Johnson back to the Delta to look after him. Now, while Dockery, Hazelhurst, and Beauregard have each been claimed as the locations of the mythical crossroads, there are also tourist attractions claiming to be the crossroads in both Clarksdale oh, yeah. and Memphis. Residents in Rosedale, Mississippi, claim Johnson sold his soul to the devil at the intersections of Highway 1 and 8 in their town. I can just see that on the tourist map that they give you at the bus station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While the 1986 movie Crossroads was filmed in Beulah, Mississippi, the blues historian Steve Cheeseboro wrote that it may be impossible to discover the exact... I'm not sure I feel about Cheeseboro. (laughs) I really... That's... If we don't... If we play D&D and we don't go to a place named Cheeseboro, (laughs) I'm going to be pissed. I'm sorry. You're going to be pissed. (laughs) I am going to forget that name. (laughs) I'm going to text it to you right now. Well, too bad. So Cheeseboro wrote (laughs) that it may be impossible to discover the exact location of the mythical crossroads because Robert Johnson was a rambling guy. Lord, he was born rambling man. <laughs> Some scholars have argued that the he devil in these songs. So, the a lot of Robert Johnson's songs <laughs> mention the crossroads, mention the devil, um, mention hellhounds. He's actually got a song called Hellhounds on My Tail. Yeah. There's the crossroads blues. Uh, up, not up, was devil up. The, sorry, I forget. But if you know, if you want, you Spotify or Google Robert Johnson songs. You can literally listen to the entire. It's basically Paul is dead, but uh, Robert Johnson, right? Which I mean, it it makes so much sense though, because I, that was the the narrative that was forced on him, right? Because he left, got good at guitar, and came back, and it was too hard to believe that somebody could learn. An instrument. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like at all. In two years. If that's all you did. If I sat down that's what I'm every saying. day His for wife years, died, yeah. and then he learned how to play guitar. He put, over the course of those two years, I'm sure he put thousands oh, yeah. of hours into just playing the guitar. Absolutely. And he had a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> it's mysterious, though, Josh. It's no. mysterious. Yes. But it see, it's is. not. It's why, why are our roles opposite right now? It's the devil. <laughs> I I usually play devil's advocate, but it's the devil. It's Satan. It's Satan. So some scholars have argued that the devil in all of his songs may refer not 
only to the Christian figure it's of Satan. It's whiskey. Uh, Perhaps but, women. But also to the trickster god of African origin, Papa Legba, himself associated with the crossroads. Folklorist heavy, heavy, Harry M. Hyatt wrote that during his research yeah. in the South from 1935 to 1939, when African Americans born in the 19th or early 20th centuries said they or anyone else had sold their souls to the devil at the crossroads, they had a different meaning in mind. Hyatt claimed that there was evidence indicating African religious retentions surrounding Legba and making of a deal, which is not selling your soul in the same sense as the Faustian tradition cited by Graves, with the so-called devil at the crossroads. The blues and the blues singer has really special power. The blue, oh my God. The blues and the blues singer has have really special powers over women. It is said that the blues singer could possess women and have any woman he wanted. And so when Robert Johnson came back, having left his community as an apparently mediocre musician with a clear genius in his guitar style and lyrics, People said he must have sold his soul to the devil. And that fits in with this old African association with the crossroads where you find wisdom. You go down to the crossroads to learn, and in his case, to learn in a Faustian pact with the devil. You sell your soul to become the greatest musician in history. This view that the devil in Johnson's songs is derived from any I'm African... I'm not sure whether it's bad or good that they think he was the best. Honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, if he was the best in history, but he had to learn from the devil. Right. You know? Yeah. And uh, Okay. I mean, granted, he may have been the best at that time. I've heard much better guitar players since then. Oh, sure. But I'm saying, like, to these people. Yeah. Imagine he's your favorite guitar player. Right. He, you, he's the person you think is the best. That person, I don't feel like that any person is that good at guitar, that they sold their soul to the devil. Right. Like, I've never, like... I always just assume it's like even like the fucking Dragon Force that was real popular for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, internet time <laughs> that it was like, oh, look, these people have trained to do this very specific thing on guitar. Right. And they're really good at it. And OK, cool. Yeah. That's not the devil. Right. And they're metal. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. So this view that the devil in Johnson's songs are is derived from an African deity was disputed by the blues scholar David Evans in an essay published in 1999 called Demythologizing the Blues. He wrote, There are several serious problems with the crossroad myth. The devil imagery found in the blues is thoroughly familiar from Western folklore, and nowhere do blues singers even mention Legba or any other African deity in their songs or other lore. The actual African music connect connected with cults and cults of legba and similar trickster deities sounds nothing like the blues but rather features polyrhythmic percussion and choral call and response singing now the musicologist alan lomax dismissed the myth stating in fact every blues fiddler banjo picker heart blower piano strummer and guitar farmer was in the opinion of both himself and his peers a child of the devil a consequence of the black view of the european dance embrace as symbol a sinful in the extreme. Yeah. What is so, it with cults and call and response singing? Unity. Unity. Yeah. Well, it's also it's the same reason you do it in the military. Same it, reason you do like it in the military. That's not correct. That's not correct. What? 
I'm thinking about what I should say next that I can make you say. <laughs> I'm a little bitch. Um, <laughs> it, it, it has become sentient. <laughs> so we're going to finish up today by talking briefly about a very unique club that Robert Johnson became a part of. And that's the 27 Club. I always forget that Robert Johnson was like fucking founding member he was, basically. he was the first american there was actually a few in the 1800s ah yeah. wow Depending. most people just credit it to like the yeah the more modern like right the, because there the was a time period and... in the late 60s early 70s that like five or six people died almost simultaneously yeah it was jim morrison morrison hendrix like 72 janis joplin and mm. um shit all uh, legendary musicians yeah, Brian, in their own right. I know Buddy Holly died on a plane with like three other people. Big yeah. Bopper and mm-hmm. uh, Richie Valens. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So now while the 27 Club is really just a morbid story that shines its focus on a group of musicians, actors, and artists who died either mysteriously or not so mysteriously at the age of 27, it is quite a fascinating curiosity. Wikipedia lists all the known people who are a member of the 27 Club starting all the way back in 1864. Damn. The list consists of 63 names. Of those 63 names, uh, 12 were natural causes, 8 were auto accidents, 11 were drug or alcohol overdoses, 7 were murder, 7 were suicides, 3 plane crashes, 7 were general accidents, and the rest are listed as unknown. Now, the deaths of several 27-year-old popular musicians between 1969 and 1971 led to the belief that deaths are more common at this age. Music biographer Charles R. Cross wrote, The number of musicians who died at 27 is truly remarkable by any standard. Although humans die regularly at all ages, there is a statistical spike for musicians who die at 27. Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison all died at the age of 27 between 1969 and 1971. At the time, the coincidence gave rise to some comment, but it was not until Kurt Cobain's 1994 death at the age of 27 that the idea of the 27 Club began to catch on in public perception. Blues musician Robert Johnson, who died in 1938, is one of the earliest popular musicians to be included in lists of 27 Club members. Now, according to Hendrix and Cobain's biographer Charles R. Cross, the growing importance of the media, internet, magazines, and television, and the response to the interview to an interview of Cobain's mother were jointly responsible for such theories. An excerpt from a statement that Cobain's mother, Wendy Frodenberg, Cobain O'Connor, oh my God, Wendy Frodenberg Cobain O'Connor, made in the Aberdeen, Washington newspaper, The Daily Word. He, she said, now he's gone and joined that stupid club. I told him not to join that stupid club. Referred to Hen- Hendrix, Joplin, and Morrison dying at the same age, according to Cross. Other authors share his view. On the other hand, Eric Segelstad wrote <laughs> of the 27s, in, writer of the 27s, the greatest myth of rock and roll history, assumed that Cobain's mother referred to the death of his two uncles and his great uncle, all of whom had also committed suicide. According to Cross, the events had led have led a set of conspiracy theorists to suggest the absurd notion that Kirk Cobain intentionally timed his death so he could join the 27 Club. No. Listen, I used to be 
used to be really heavily into Nirvana. And so it should be relatively obvious that I don't think Kurt Cobain killed himself. You think it was Courtney? It was almost certainly Courtney. Wow. Not herself. Oh, had somebody do it for him? Yeah. There was a guy who admitted to it, but may have just done it for attention. But right after he admitted to it, they uh, found his head by some train tracks. (laughs) Courtney Love. Okay. I'm going to say that I think that Kurt Cobain did commit suicide. And I think that it's uh, because he was fucking depressed and sad. He he was that, but also like he had too much heroin in his system to pull a shotgun trigger with his toe. So you think that Courtney Love had somebody dope him up and then fake a suicide? No, he was totally a heroin addict. Oh, I know that. But he probably was just high already, but and somebody came in and was like, hey, Kurt, what's up? Yeah, he wasn't in a position to defend himself. True. Uh-oh. We're teetering Even on conspiracy from himself. theory. I don't like conspiracy theories like that. <laughs> because I feel like it's it's almost like people are saying that a heroin addict who was depressed and potentially being abused by his significant other was incapable of doing a suicide. I'm not saying that at all. But... I don't know. I'm also jaded because I was hardcore into all of that scene yeah, when I was I younger. Yeah, and I think that this is equivalent to saying that Carol Baskins killed her husband and fed, her to, fed him to tigers. That also, bitch. don't believe that, but... I, I just think it's the same phenomenon. It's like you get too close to it, you get too into it, and then all of a sudden everybody's a murderer and it's a noir story. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw a Joe Exotic action figure at FYE at the mall the other day. That's fucking scary. Uh, actually. And mm-hmm. he can probably profit off of that stuff once he's out of jail because yeah. it's not directly profiting from the crime that he committed. Yeah. So in 2011, 17 years after Kurt Cobain's death, Amy Winehouse died at the age of 27, prompting a renewed swell of media attention devoted to the club once again. Three years earlier, she tell, had... Ex- tell you what, I'll, I'll research more and I'll get back to you on whether or not I still think that Kurt Cobain actually killed himself or not. I don't like the idea of Courtney Love putting the chemicals in the water that turned the freaking frogs gay. I really hate that you're so good at that impression. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day I will do an entire episode as Don Jones. I'll I... leave. <laughs> You'll well, do it by yourself. <laughs> Yeah. You can't see it, but Ruben's eyes agreed. <laughs> Just be coming from a little cabin two towns over. Uh, after an individual, did I say three years earlier she'd expressed a fear of dying at that age? Okay, I did now. Yep. An individual does not necessarily have to be a musician to qualify as a member of the 27 Club. Rolling Stone included television actor Jonathan Brandis, who committed suicide in 2003. Seems like you just got to be famous and 27 yeah. when you die. Um, yeah. Anton Yelchin, who had played in a punk rock band but was primarily known as a film actor. I don't know why that was so funny to me. <laughs> because this mic stand has never made that sound. It before. just like squeaked real loud, and then you just said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, Anton Yelchin, who played Chekhov in the uh, reboot of Star Trek, uh, also played in a punk band and was primarily known as a film actor, was also described as a member of the club upon his death in 2016. Likewise, Jean-Michel Basquet has been uh, included in the 27 Club lists despite the relative brevity of his music career and his prominence as a graffiti artist and painter. Now, a study by the University Academics... Banksy? (laughs) Maybe. Fuck Uh, (laughs) Academics published in the British Medical Journal in December of 2011 concluded that there was no increase in the risk of death for musicians at the age of 27. What? No way. (laughs) Stating that there were equally small increases at age 25 and 32. The study noted that young adult musicians have a higher death rate than the general young adult population. I wonder population. if it's because they're surrounded by yes people who give them drugs and tell them that it's cool to do drugs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, surmising that fame may increase the risk of dying among musicians. Look at every fucking Disney pop star. Yeah. Not quite every, but... Up to and including Lindsay Lohan. Oh, God, yes. So, Amanda Bynes. Yeah. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Uh, all of them. Uh, most of them. Demi Lovato, even. There's actually some interesting stuff about, like, all the the weird shit that Miley Cyrus got into. Her whole deal was actually more or less a ploy on her part to escape being associated with Disney. Yep. She wanted to make herself but a that's person what I'm saying. that Disney would never associate themselves with ever again. That's what I'm saying, is, like, even with Demi Lovato, hers was just, like, the mental problems associated with being a child star put her in the hospital a few times. A lot you know of what times. I mean? Like, it's just real bad. Miley Cyrus had to go way very more extreme than I feel like she probably wanted to to have right. to get away from this overarching evil corporation that we all know as our childhood memories. Yeah. And we won't even talk about what Perry the Platypus had to do. Perry the Platypus had to sell his soul to the devil at a crossroads. <laughs> at a crossroads. He had to sacrifice Doofenshmirtz on an altar of bones. Death in the Daryl? I know what we're going to do today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, So, yeah, fame may increase the risk of death among musicians, but the risk is not limited to the age of 27. Thanks. It happens in my head all the time. Like when I saw the video of the people playing Mario Party backwards. Yeah, I know what we're going to do today. Babe. I know what we're gonna do tomorrow. Um, the I selection hope she's up for another game because that shit was so fun. <laughs> the selection criteria for the musicians included in the study, based on having scored a UK number one album between 1956 and 2007, excluded several notable members of the 27 Club, including Hendrix, Joplin, Morrison, Ham, and McKern. A 2014 article at the Conversation. Uh, suggested that statistical evidence shows popular musicians are more likely to die at the age of 56 at 2.2% compared to 27 at 1.3. That sort of makes sense to me somehow. Yeah, because dying at that age is still technically dying you know, relatively young. That's what the, I mean. It's like it's relatively young, but it's like the right age for a hard life to catch up with you. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. That That is the point where there are consequences for that rock yeah. star lifestyle that you lived yeah. in your 20s and probably barely made it past some of the decisions that you made in your 20s. Yeah. And then you get people like the Stones. Dude, who... I knew people who are regular every day is your server at anywhere 
who have done the craziest rock star shit and they don't have the money to do half the drugs. Right. Like, you know, or half the drugs, women, alcohol, whatever you want, whatever vice it is. Like when you have money and people around you who are making money off of you, they're going to keep you doing whatever the fuck you're doing that's making them money. And oftentimes that's doing drugs and partying. Yeah. It's actually part of the plot to get him to the Greek. Yep. What were you going to say about the stones? That's how fucking ingrained that shit is. People like the stones who seem to never, ever, ever die. Yeah, or Keith Richards. Right. (laughs) Ozzy. Ozzy was one. Yeah. Uh, Even Alice Cooper, although Alice Cooper, he's almost 80, but he doesn't seem old, oddly enough. Alice Cooper is one of those people who aged to like a weather-beaten 60, and then he's just going to stay there until he dies. Yeah, Yeah, that's about it. Obviously, the man dyes his hair. I'm sorry. Sorry, Alice. You dye he your hair. Not. As black as his hair is at 78. My grandmother had black hair up until like a couple of years ago without mm. dye. And she's in her 70s. Mm. Good for her. I know. My dad went white in his 50s. Your dad has no hair. He's got hair on his face. Yeah, true. He's got that nice like salt and pepper beard, you know. He doesn't anymore. It's no. actually very white now. It's uh. real good. I mean that's also great, but I good. love that he he almost had like the the sometimes Morgan Freeman facial hair. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. It's like he's he's not quite all the way white. If I'm remember, I, hmm. you're saying your dad's turning white. His hair is <laughs> like like fucking whiteboard white. It's beautiful. I love that. I love like the silver hair. You know. Yeah, my mom has silver like in her hair. Nice. Uh, it's great. I love it. I'm going to have, I don't know what mine's going to do, but it's going to be cool. You yeah. don't have hair. It's on my, I do actually <laughs> right now have a little bit. But that's it. That takes us out of the story. Um, and for our, our weekly Audible recommendation, oh, um, yeah. the book Crossroads. Uh, I Went it, uh, down to the crossroads, fell down on my knees. It is Crossroads, The Life and Afterlife of Blues Legend Robert Johnson by Tom Graves. We mentioned it in the episode today. AudibleTrial.com slash TTO pod. It's only three hours and 45 minutes. It's pretty, it's pretty short. Listen. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Who reads it? Does it say? Um, it is narrated by Tom Graves, hmm. who wrote it? it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that works. Nice. Um, as always, uh, give us a like and follow us on Facebook if you haven't already. Uh, that's Facebook.com slash TTO pod. That's uh, where you can get in touch with us. Give us money you... on Patreon. Patreon.com slash two towns over. I say it every week. Y'all know what's coming. Patrons heard this a week ago. Yep. If you're not paying us on Patreon, then. What are you even doing in life? You could have heard this already. Patreon patrons, uh, certain tiers get bonus episodes, including possible bloopers down the road. Of me vomiting in my mouth. Gross. That did happen. <laughs> it did happen. It though. did happen. Um, also, Share us. Yes. Give us a five-star rating on every one of the platforms. It's We we plug the thing that you can do to pay us for if you like our content. But if, if you, you, don't you don't have money, like us. If you don't us. have the money to pay us, like us. Yeah, so many people I want to subscribe to their Patreons. Oh, my many, God. Many people can't. who I would support monetarily I yeah, had, I the, had I but the money. If, if you're doing better financially than us, support us on Patreon. If you're doing the same financially as us, Share support us. us in the freeways. Give us, give us a rating. Thumbs us up somewhere. Yeah. Do it. And we now have a merchandise store. If you can't afford you to can donate a- without getting something in return and feeling like you got value, 
this also helps us out. We do have we've got the merch, some mugs, some mugs. It's we're limited, gonna... but we're getting we're doing more. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on this it. This is a Listen. big step for us. Yeah, it's we're we're on our way, y'all. And for anyone who's wondering, yes, we're stalling for time because I'm trying to bring up the fucking link. <laughs> and of course, the internet decides, no, you're not. Here we Lovely. go. So the uh, the link to our uh, store uh, is two hyphen towns hyphen over hyphen podcast dot creator dash spring dot com nope, 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 I'm sorry. Nope, no, nope, redo. Nope, nope, redo. Two hyphen towns hyphen over hyphen podcast hyphen spring dot com slash listing slash two hyphen towns hyphen over hyphen swag. That's be, no, there's an easier way. There has to be an easier way. Go to the fucking page. The, the link is in the description. Yeah, the, the link episode. will be in the description. Right now, everybody, we've got a, a Teespring show. Uh, show Teespring store has a few T-shirts. The we link got, is ridiculous. It's in the description. Yeah, the link will be in the description. <laughs> we can't say it out loud. Um, eventually, we're going to get all of our links together on a tea, uh, not Teespring. What is it? It's a uh, link, link tree. tree. It's a link tree. Which yeah, will I be listed in it. our Facebook um, group or Facebook page. But again, Facebook is always the best way to uh, reach out to us. Facebook Messenger. Uh, we are very quick to respond. Uh, if it's sometime between nine in the morning and ten if at night. If you're on the Discord trying to get a hold of us, dude, we're not on there. I I'm sorry. I don't even have the link for it. I don't know. How <laughs> I to just get- I just reset the something happened and it got deleted. I don't. Is there like a time limit if nobody does anything? I have. It, yeah. I have most s- of them expire. Oh, after. Okay. Yeah. I have seen a message that's like you've been missing messages on Discord from my <laughs> Discord, but it won't let me find us. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's wild we're we're not actually so dumb i hate it (laughs) we're not qualified for this but we're trying we need an editor and a tech guy who's probably actually just like a young cousin of ours (laughs) who knows phones yeah yeah we need a social media person guru guru yeah somebody to handle all that shit i have a guy who can do that but we'd have to pay him well i mean that's yeah so give us money on patreon Yes. Buy shit from our Teespring. We'll be more accessible. We'll have better merch. We'll have cleaner sounding content. We probably won't get any more professional. No, I don't plan to. The writing will get a lot better because I'll have time to sit down and actually... Don will get even better at his job, which I already think he's real good at. Oh, there's things I don't like. But that's a discussion for... That makes you human. That's another one of them traits. (laughs) That's not a discussion for the audience. That's an internal discussion um, as life spirals out of control. I had to get a job. Anyway, <laughs> I, we're keeping it up this week. <laughs> you know, it's a good job. It's, it's rough out there right now is the thing. So anyway, this outro is longer than the intro was. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Well, then we keep. <laughs> no, going he then. started recording way sooner than we realized. Yeah. We were just bullshit. Fully was just talking about whatever the fuck we were talking about at the top of this episode. Uh, so episode you, lengths. Oh, uh, we'll call out the most recent. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It's Lex be better. Pirate King Luffy and Ojedai Khan or Ogadai 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 Khan. Uh, you, you, uh, street team people, I've mailed out, you, you'll receive this long before this episode, but I mailed out your stickers, get busy, pixar didn't happen, 
Please. You know shouts Please. out to shouts us. out to my mom, Julie, who has already placed stickers in such locations as on the bottom of a Parmesan shaker at an Olive Garden. So good. <laughs> Very so good. good. Uh, she also put one on the uh, there was a, like a salt shaker. On this one restaurant, it was very funny. I That's like great. Just good and shit. Uh, send us pictures when you when you do that. Not because like we don't trust you. I don't. Don't. Um, but send us pictures and know, let let us know in the in the message whether or not it's okay to post them. Because I would love to fill our feed with uh, pictures of the fun and unique places that you've put your stickers. And the one that promised the Zach Bagans uh, Haunted Museum. You somebody know who you promised. Are. Somebody promised us that we were going to get a Two Towns Over sticker in fucking Zach Bagans Museum. Museum and I insist... On a fucking photograph. I, I've i just realized what my new job is on legend tripping trips. <laughs> we just need to get a thing of yeah, stickers. We just need a sheaf of stickers. <laughs> I will I will give somebody. And I'm going to just populate them bitches. <laughs> I will give somebody a shiny new penny because it's all I can afford. If you can like slap a sticker directly on Zach Bagan himself. <laughs> I would I would shit myself out of excitement if that happened. <laughs> Carly, I want a sticker on the Goatman Bridge, and I'll cut out the rest. When we go visit the Goatman Bridge, there better be... If Carly gets doxxed, I'm, I'm blaming you. Carly's not going to get doxxed. Carly would dox herself. That's trust probably me. true. I Honestly, Carly seems <laughs> rad. <laughs> it's like... Anyway... I'm just trying to stay safe out here in these streets. Okay, then we'll just say this. All that'll be cut. I'm just going to say, Carly, you've mentioned going to the Goatman Bridge. If you go to the Goatman Bridge, sticker the bitch. Thank you. <laughs> Carly, you're welcome. You're never going to know why, but you're welcome. It's, I'm I'm going to get a personal message from her on Facebook. Fully. fully. <laughs> She's going to be like, what do I not know? <laughs> we all will. I'm actually friends with her on Facebook. Now. Saved your nice. life. I think she friended me. I think she requested my friend. See, see how easy that is? Yeah. She doesn't know where I live. Sure she does. If it's on Facebook, she can find out. Yeah, dude, I gave her your address. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> uh, fuck you, cancer, you piece of shit. Shouts out to the plant moms and their babies. And Most we... importantly, be good to yourselves. Yeah, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>